0: <laughs> Three, Three, two, two one. one. Let's, Let's go, go!
1: <laughs> We back. Let's go skip uh, You broke the audio system on my end. Is that <laughs> did it just go blank for you? <laughs> it went blank.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that virtual thing. Not for us. You know, I felt that energy and I'm probably gonna ride that energy all the way to tonight. To tonight because this podcast was really cool i'm the host of pb podcast troy tittlemeyer joined by in person live skiffo uh, dude in studio in studio man what do you think of the new design
2: dude i like it i like the layout it's a lot more relaxed it's you know it, yeah. it's definitely more of a it's better for conversation it's a right. better environment I, for I, conversation I it.
0: Yeah. you like yeah. it. and then we got stan of course yes, stan. stan
2: the man man
0: is in studio PB Podcast, and then p dog, dude. Yeah, like, from we're Houston
2: back, Texas, dude. <laughs> <laughs> this is a throwback, man. It is, back, man. Back to the good it's old days. It's, this that's, one felt good. This one felt really good.
0: I don't mean to have been a minute. It yeah, has, man. It has. You're all the way out in Houston, dude. We we went west. Skippa went all the way west.
2: And then, like, to the mm-hmm. east again.
0: And then now he's closer to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, are you really? Yeah, but well, yeah. yeah in Denver, or yeah, yeah. Colorado.
3: Yeah, but he may not
2: be there very long. He may be. Uh-oh. Oh, the, the plot thickens. The plot thickens.
1: You're gonna crash at Troy's basement now. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> I'm gonna live in the basement. <laughs> basement in
3: Oslo. North. Yeah. Short
1: <laughs> uh, Nights. Nice. Yeah.
0: So. What did you get out of this, P Dog? That's that's what we want to talk about. We're catching up. It was a great show. I, I definitely learned a lot, and I was thinking a lot of uh, of new things as Skippo talked and walked us through some of the basics on acquisition parameters and like the data we're actually looking at and what we can maybe do with S wave uh, data. You know, like uh, it, it's. I'm certainly pretty excited about it. What about you? What's your perspective on all this?
1: No, I, I like this idea of what you guys are doing, just starting with the, the general conception of what it takes to shake the ground with seismic acquisition. What are the do's and don'ts the industry wants? What are they trying to chase? What are they after? Um, I think it's just a good uh, knowledge just for the audience in general. I liked it. Thanks, dog. I
2: mean, that was kind of the the goal in all of this was it was just like we wanted to put together a product to you know not only for industry but for you know people who you know just kind of want to learn the basics of industry right and then those who are in industry that like haven't been thinking about it for a while right just kind of giving them either more foundational knowledge bringing it back up and then discussing not only the basics but where this science could go right and like we're going to go deep dive later on as far as you know The inversion and the stuff we talked later in the show about. Like, we'll probably have our own basics with PB about that with hopefully P Dog again. Because, yeah, man, you, the way you were answering questions that were, that we were rattling off, it it was great. Like, having you back in theoretical studio. Yep.
1: Now, I'm glad you guys brought the expert matter, you know, on this. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Always humble.
3: I I can't wait to work with you some more. Ha ha. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> on, on that talk that you gave it. Um.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. So and some that. of the the fastkin stuff that Skip's talked about. So my company is doing all the QI work on that new Seismic. So we're gonna run through the 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 new petrophysical models, the geomechanical models, and get all of that information out of Seismic. So that's interesting.
0: They're letting you write papers on all that stuff.
1: Uh yeah. I think uh, some of my colleagues, they may have written a paper already. It's it- it's still in publication at the moment,
0: yeah. Mm. That stuff, is- yeah. We'll,
1: we'll definitely do all the, the TOC stuff that we've been doing in the past and apply that to the Midland Basin,
0: right? On
2: that's awesome, yeah. man. That work is great. The work that you guys are doing over there, you and and Lev, that, that okay, dream Lev. team, dude, that Lev. dream, that iconic dream team.
0: <laughs> we've had them on the show twice, but for a short periods of time, it'd be nice to get like a two hour, yeah, whiskey. Show with Lev vernon Oh, he's a
1: wine person. I oh, we oh, gotta
2: get some, wine. Get I'm, some hey, wine. I'm fine with that. I'm I'm fancy. I'm Italian. <laughs> I'll
0: I'll take the headache that it's gonna give me the next day for an <laughs> opportunity to sit with Lev. Uh, and and yeah. So anyway, that was that was cool. Uh, I think that was a great uh, great way to kind of get us into uh, into the end of the year, man. I I think the industry's in still a very interesting place as uh, we don't know what's going on and, and there's this scare of the Omicron or whatever they're calling that mm. thing that's like going to shut down the the demand of oil, supposedly. The big uh, O. <laughs> so we'll see what happens there. But I think the bigger elephant in the room might be the fact that, uh, you know, the Permian Basin can certainly make a lot of oil and contribute a lot of oil to the refineries and to the market. But it doesn't mean that you know, everybody that was involved in that made a lot of money, right? And so, if if there's a economic crisis, married with the fact that we may need to pick up oil production again, I don't see a real response going to happen there. Why would the operator that knows that they're not making that much money by getting a lot of oil out of the ground? They might make a thousand barrels a day, but it costs so much money to get that. And mm-hmm. the demand is growing. Let's give it another six months. Let's yeah. see what happens. You know, if if, if you yeah. can get that to that time where you you're kind of messing with the timing a little bit, maybe maybe that's what the Permian's doing. Yeah, maybe that's what the world's doing. The oil and gas industry is kind of messing with the timing of this oil of this demand supply chain thing and how it's changing and and what maybe COVID is doing to that. But if all of a sudden we're shaking at one hundred and we hit one twenty, you know.
1: Mm. Then
2: economics look different, right? Drastically different. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, I agree with you. Yeah, it'll be interesting how Omicron affects the economy again, and will we see negative oil prices? Who knows?
2: No, mm. I'm
0: gonna. That'll go be too crazy.
1: That, um,
2: that negative thirty-four dollar
0: oil, that. man. I'm gonna go ahead and say, <laughs> I'll, that was I'll bet you a new yeah. pair of shoes that we did.
2: We Dude, I still have a negative. screenshot of that on my phone. Cause I remember looking at like yep. oil live that day and I was just like $34. I'm like, wait, it's up. It was like, you know, cause the day before it was like $5 or whatever. And I was like, wait, that's a negative in front of 34. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Like that's cool.
0: That was certainly bizarre. No, I would even uh, venture to say that I'll bet you a new pair of shoes. Uh, we'll see a complete uh, the opposite. We'll see after this, Next six months, I think we'll break a record. We'll go above one forty-seven in the next. uh By the end of six
2: months from today, wow. dude. I hot would, takes. Hot, take hot takes. Take Stan hot take.
0: wants to take that bet.
2: You want to take that action?
0: Oh, there you go. Steak dinner. 150, six Let me give me eight months. One fifty-eight months.
3: <laughs>
2: okay. Good action. Good action. I was live. I was live. Can't go. You can't take that back now. Are you? Are you going? I'm not in on these bets, dude. Yeah. I'm just
1: gonna watch this on the sidelines, dude. I'm freaking. I'm
2: out here in my Keith Stone, and I'm just gonna enjoy it.
1: Where do
0: you stand as you sit here today? You think it's gonna? Dude, you're not. This doesn't
2: work on me, dude. You can't use your Troy mind tricks on me. I've been in this chair too many
0: times. (laughs) (laughs) i enjoy you back in that chair man dude it's good to good. see you
2: this is good doing yeah. this in person again yep uh p-dog with the virtual help really helping today i oh mean yeah dude yep. you were you came in clutch oh, this
1: was great for me too i forgot half of this stuff so it yeah. was a good uh right on. relation
2: yeah right
0: on i gotta hit up icon to see if they want to get a uh get an icon for icon on the i, uh, I
1: saw that you got little yeah. geospace no. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, graph mag yeah. data these days, huh? If, if Icon gravity.
2: says no, can we just use uh, your face? Just a zoomed in picture of yes. your face? Yes. Okay. Right yeah. on. We'll throw but
0: that in the it rotation. It will be
1: there until
0: I hear from Icon. Until, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Bell Geospace. Bell Geospace has the gravity data that you need in the Permian Basin to see the structures below your reservoir, to see the structures in the reservoir and above. It's all connected. It all has a lot to say and a lot to do with how much oil, brine, or gas you're getting. You need the data to make better wells. You gotta contact Julianne Sharples, jsharples at Belgeo.com or go to Belgiocom check out their data, check out what they're providing in their FTG Full Tensor Gravity Gradiometry. The data is very high resolution. We did an exciting show, episode 91 with Bell Geospace, interpreting some of that data. Contact them today. Drill Better Wells. Let's go.
2: Hopefully, you know, we get pretty good feedback from this and, you know, this is something that I want to continue because not only do I feel like, you know, just providing a solid knowledge base is not a bad thing, and from an industry perspective. Is also another good thing, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like not only are you learning this from like more of an academic perspective, but also you're getting kind of that industry like sprinkle of flair onto it, right. right?
0: Yeah. Like, so it matters because I think we can make a lot more money. If you think about it this way. Yeah. Right?
2: You yeah. Think- when you're when you're when you're thinking about acquiring seismic or you're thinking about how you're evaluating or acquiring your data, I think it's just important, right? And then for those who have never done it, it just kind of gives you like a general knowledge base for it, right? Like as a geologist that works for, you know, a major or even like a smaller independent, right? You're not involved in seismic acquisition, right? You're not involved in the survey design, right? You're not you might ask some questions here or there, but going into the nitty-gritty details on you know, exactly how the acquisition parameters are set up, mm-hmm. right? You're not a part of that, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what this kind of is going to give you just an insight into, right? It's going to give you a little taste, a little taste <laughs> of what's <laughs> out there. All right, Skip-o, doctor us up. All right, man. So again, basics with PBE. The Dream Team is back. Next slide. So to kind of break down how this uh, presentation is going to go, we're going to look when you're looking at a seismic image, right? So when you're looking at that beautiful volume, right? It's a combination of the acquisition itself and it's a combination of that processing. So how is that data acquired and how is that data processed? Uh, the goal is to create you know, either a 2D or a 3d volume of seismic data, that's going to depend on where you are in your exploration process, right? If you're, you know, looking, if you're a new venture offshore or a new venture, even onshore, right, you're probably just going to acquire just quick 2d lines just to see what the general structure is or not. And then it's like, Hey, let's go into development. Then you can get a 3d volume and you can go into, you know, really like pulling as much out of that data as you can, whether it's with QI, you know, picking your, you know, structural boundaries, whatever it is. Uh, Important things to note in like the seismic processing side, uh, you use signal enhancement and noise reduction in order to clean that data uh, to make it usable. And then, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, this occurs when there is, you get great data when you have good acquisition and, you know, good signal enhancement and noise reduction can occur in the data processing side uh, as well. But that's that's a conversation for another day. We're going to do processing some other time. So okay. bang, bang, uh, hit me with that next one. All right, Boom. So we got this beautiful picture from the Colorado Geological Survey and the Denver Post. Uh, I, I, it's just you know a little different, but uh, I, it it kind of tells you everything that you you want to see in like a seismic land survey. We're not going to talk about offshore. We're solely going to focus on a land survey. Uh, so the truck you see there is your fiber-sized truck, uh, and then and those little black squares that you kind of see on the surface of the earth, those are your geophones, and then uh, <laughs> shockwaves kind of kills me that's a that's a that's a rough one but essentially you're sending energy into the earth and that energy is reflecting off these different layers of rock and coming back and being recorded in those geophones so things that you want to keep in mind when you are doing a seismic survey, right? So first and foremost is the geography of the area of interest, right? Are you shooting in West Texas where it's, you know, pretty nice and flat, you know, you can kind of design the survey how you want, or are you, you know, in Colorado in the mountains or you in Louisiana where there's a swamp, right? So you're going to be limited by where you can get those trucks and where you could shake. Uh, Or, you know, if you have another kind of acquisition design, other than- Dynamite. Dynamite is another one. (laughs) Uh, You know, someone who is, you know- very good at stomping their feet rapidly is also another option. <laughs> I wouldn't suggest it, but dude, it can be done. I used a sledgehammer dude, and a metal just,
0: plate with billet watching Dude, it. I know. Just, <laughs> just,
2: dude, that man, <laughs> <do> that, <laughs> that one man team seismic, you know, it's rough, but you know, you get it done. If you want? Yep. If you wanna get it done, you get to get it done. Yep. And then also it depends on the velocity structure and depth of the area that you're looking at, right? If you're in the Delaware basin and you have this thick layer and package of salts and anhydrates above, uh, you know, your air, or your layers of interest or your strata of interest, you're going to have to design it differently, right? Because, you know, getting through that salt, you know, that's going to distort your data. It's, it's high density that those waves move fast. And, you know, it's, it's just that compared to the Midland Basin. These are just things you got to keep in mind. You got to be on your toes, man. You got to yeah. be on your toes. <laughs> you know it, what Skip I mean? Off. So
0: yeah. I remember being in that si- uh, fiber sized truck. dude. you remember that?
2: Dude, that was a great time. That was a they great time. Got all
0: this. It's all computer and GPS. The thing yeah. basically drives itself, and and the dude sitting in. It's just kind of there and and running. You know, twelve hour shifts or whatever dude, it was. Yeah. And dude, and, just
2: shaking. And then dudes out there on like you know just running around stomping geophones into the ground.
0: Yeah, right? they're in there side by side just Yeah,
2: just brapping.
0: But it was interesting, the, the the shaking, right? It lifts the truck off itself off the ground, and then it has, like, this way to ramp up from, like, really fast, like, uh, repeated things to, like, a slow yeah. shake, and it does that every time. It, and it, it's p- totally programmed to do the exact same way every time. Obviously, the ground changes. Yeah. Like, we're in, like, a little creek, and then we're up on the Yeah, like, yeah. You're, you're on, like, an embankment. You know, like, you're on plant. some volcanics. You're, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whatever it is,
2: but... <laughs> Yeah, dude. It and but it's like that shaking and kind of go. We'll go into more details about that later. But right, that you're shaking at those different rates because it's trying to, you know, shake at different frequencies. Right. Right. So you can get that coverage within your data. Yeah, the right? frequency. Yeah. Of a sound wave. P. Dog, got anything to add to that? Anything spicy to add? Um, is?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So usually with those vibrasize drugs, you. I'm pretty sure we all experience that. Usually you start off slow. And then it ramps up that oh, frequency. Okay. I had it the other yeah. way,
0: sorry. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So so the idea is lower frequency, they travel farther down. So we want to attack the the basement, the lower stuff first, and then the higher frequencies come in and they follow the lower stuff.
0: Interesting. No reason to, to switch that. Go go fast and then slow. Any uh, any difference there? Probably um, it's easier for
2: the truck to start slow and then oh, go fast Right. yeah i mean if you could start a drag race at like 500 miles an hour i feel like that would be ideal and then yeah. slow down as you get to the finish line but
0: i thought i would feel it a lot more mm-hmm. it's like going over a cattle guard feels dude not you
2: know, dude it's just like wow what's that weird garbage truck in the distance that's kind of like <laughs> how you it, yeah it's like you feel like oh man i'm shaking it's like no not at all
0: no yeah you know, it's pretty
2: interesting mode. Yeah. yeah it's pretty uninvasive like you're like oh my gosh they're gonna be shaking there's gonna be earthquakes and it's like no nah. <laughs> not at all
0: <laughs> wow but how many sound, how many how many waves do you think is actually like going in one of those things
2: well it, yeah one that shape. wave is like just propagating right but right. it's only that specific angle is being recorded that's reflected back to that geophone right how many so it's, it's like that like where it's like going out it's going out 360 but it's only being captured where those geophones are located right, right? Yeah.
1: I I think it's time though. I think you would sweep the floor for like six seconds and then move on. So those are your, I I guess your seismic intervals that when you see the two way time, usually it's four seconds or six seconds. That's the seismic you see. Oh, that helps in the processing
0: keeping it that way.
2: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Right on. Uh. Oh, yeah. So I had these pictures in here too. So this is an example of an area like where you can actually see the grid that was cut out. This was done in, in Alberta, right? And super thick wooded area, right? So they actually needed to go in, cut down the trees in this grid pattern in order to shoot the survey. What? Yeah. Like that's, that's how, the- that's how gnarly it is. So like, in some areas, right? Like I said, it's, you're in a desert super nice and easy an area like this where it's like it's heavily wooded you have like these uh these mountains like you kind of see in the middle like they can't shoot on that right so that right yeah, yeah so it's that. like there's nothing there so it's like they cut this grid around this mountain in the middle of the survey then you have like this road over here and like they have to design it around that as well Wow. and it's just yeah it's crazy man and you can
0: still visualize that stuff right p because you can do like real heavy offsets like around those features and then like still process like the rock that's underneath it from.
1: Right, yeah, yeah. As long as you have your geophones aligned to that grid, if sound waves are traveling, it's going to record it. Dude, right. Nice. Thank you, PDOT,
2: for yeah. being here.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> the trucks are the roads that we're seeing, but the geophones were actually going all over the place. They yeah. were able to lay those things out everywhere. Yeah. They're able
2: to like get in all between right. the trees and stomp and yeah, do their thing. Like you uh, said, as long as there's enough room for a side-by-side or a person, yeah, they can just run through and stomp those into the ground. Right. But they can only put their, uh, their sources within that grid. That's right. Awesome. So yeah, they got to design their receivers around that source grid. Uh so next slide real quick. Cool. Because I think it's just a picture. Yeah. So this is an example of West Texas. If you can if you know what county this is in, uh kudos to you. Uh Andrews. And... Pretty damn close. Pretty <laughs> damn close. It's pretty damn close. I mean <laughs> it's Andrews is like right there. Andrews is right there. Yeah, it's like hector Andrews. Right on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty spot right. on, dude. Nice. But yeah, like it's flat. I mean, you can basically just shake that entire thing, and and no one's going to worry. And then, what do you think that
0: thing is, dude? That little like explosion thing? Oh, dude, right there, <laughs> like right
2: in the middle. That thing, dude. I don't know, man. <laughs> what is that? It was interesting. That's why I pulled it up. I was right like, that's on. that's like a little different. And I, then, no spicy. one's drilling here. They're like, ah. Yeah a bad spot yeah it's either <laughs> a bad spot or some like private land where yeah. someone is just like no yeah
0: they're obviously like testing maybe bombs there but they're not down to yeah, drill they're not down to <laughs> drill like
2: hey we can blow this up but we're not uh we're not gonna drill no wells on our land wow but you can get a
0: viber si- size truck wherever you can get the geofoams yeah. all over the place so you get good coverage
2: but then this thing. but then again right this is also another reason why i pulled this up it's dependent on your lesser Right, it's dependent on who that surface owner is. Right, wow. are you dealing with UT lands? Right, are you dealing with a federal agency? Right, are you dealing with BIA? Are you dealing with BLM? Right, each one is going to have their own different parameters on how you shoot seismic. Or, you know, is this fee land? Is this private land? Yeah. Right, you get you come across a rancher who's like, no. Yeah. Get your trucks off my land. I don't care how much money you're going to give me. Like, yeah. And then you have to design your survey around that. So that's also something that needs to be kept in mind because it's just, it's just another thing that adds to the complexity of this. Or like on top of that, right? Like when you're getting a survey, right? Like as we know, you want to get good fold, especially on the edges of your survey. So you need to talk to your offset operators, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Hey, we're next to a company, uh i'll use for this for the safety of this podcast x oil and gas uh i hope that's not a company if x oil and gas is a company <laughs> i apologize uh that is xyz xyz oil, x, y, oil um, and gas skip uh, oil and gas i know there's not oil green oil energy oil and gas i feel like that's a fake name that you know i'm not going <laughs> to offend anyone uh very much an oxymoron but you know like you it's like oh to the west we have green energy to the east of our our area, we have, you know, XYZ, right? Yeah. Green energy is like, cool. Yeah. You, you can get the fold. No worries. Like, you know, you got to pay for it on our land, but yeah, not a problem. XYZ is like, nah, we're going to be, you know, a-holes today. Yeah. You can't get that fold. You well, gotta, I want you, all your data if you're going to do it. And you're like, no, I'm not going to give you. Yeah. I'm not going yeah, to give you my data. No, right. I'm shooting the survey. Hey, if you want my data, you Ugh. know what you can do, you can help pay for the survey, right? Yeah. Like that's like, these are just like little things that you got to worry about, but... Ugh. Yeah, that was from my experience on the land side. That was definitely something that had come up when we were shooting surveys for company Elementop. Uh, uh, so it's
0: interesting, just kind of the the complexity of like really what we do. You know what I mean? Like we rely and and it's like from an investor's perspective, right? Like I'm going to invest in oil and gas. You're like, oh, what is that? You know, I don't know. They they drill wells, they get production out of the ground, and then when the investor goes, well, like what what really is that? And they sit in, and they're like, what? The, yeah. you know you, the the acquisition couldn't even do, be done perfectly systematic because of some land issue like when yeah. you get into the details and the complexity and the rabbit holes of like where and how the data actually generates and how yeah. the operators actually get after this resource like it's very complex yeah dude, everything which makes every risky
2: yeah everything on paper you know makes it seem like pretty systematic and pretty simple but then like once you get into it you're like dude this is a Nightmare. Yeah. Right. And, and I think that, and, I mean, that
0: that whole thing is done. Like the investors and like investment community, the money people, they're like, Yeah. I think they realize now there's so much complexity and that yeah. just equals danger. You yeah. know what I mean? Like investment risk.
2: It's like, I mean, like you look at it from like a, an outside perspective. Oh, you just drill a well and you frack it. Right. Yeah. And it's like, hmm, how, <laughs> how did we get here? Right. And then like, that's not even talking about the complexity of drilling a well and fracking a well. Right. right? That's its own monster in itself. But yeah, dude, like seismic acquisition is just part of that, right? If you want good seismic data, like you just gotta, you gotta pay for it. Wow. A lot of work goes into that. A lot of work goes into it. All right. Uh, next slide. Okay. So this slide, uh, for those who are just listening, we're looking at a very general, uh, source and receiver, uh, diagram so, source
0: being the truck
2: yeah source being your your truck your dynamite or your best friend with a sledgehammer and your receivers being your geophone so uh in the cross line direction that's going to be our source direction and and for those listening that's more of a north south direction uh and the receiver line or our inline direction is going to be more or, or going to be visualized by green dots and that's going east west uh, so this is just a very very general grid of what acquisition parameters would be. So that's so your truck would go from red uh, red triangle to red triangle, going north, shaking at each point, and those receivers would pick up the data at each individual point. Right, uh, from all tip- those different angles. Yeah, and typically when you're looking at a survey like this, right, so this is like another thing, like you need to know your acquisition parameters when you're looking at your seismic data, or you can be at folly, is your inline direction is going to be a lot more uh is gonna be a lot higher quality than your cross line direction, right? Because uh, your inline direction, that's the direction of your receivers, that east-west right. line, Every right? hundred feet or whatever. Exactly. That is. So like understanding that before looking at your data, right? If you just hop into seismic data and you're just like, oh yeah, I can start like doing things and it's just like, no, understand how your data was acquired. Understand where you're gonna have your best data, right, and right. where you're gonna have your not so good data, right? So yeah. you can Q A Q C, right? So that that that's a big part of it. And then, as P Dog was talking about uh, the frequency range, so at each one of those source points, that truck is going to shake at around eight to eighty-five hertz, and that was uh, that data was given to me by P Dog himself no, off air because right, he's can, the can, man. Uh, where's a the reference, popular, dude?
1: Very popular Google search will tell you <laughs> that, dude. Uh, don't tell him that, dude. We're
2: we're a very very in depth podcast right we we go deep in the
0: weeds (laughs) i'm adding it just i'm taking a second hold on oh gosh we got to reference this dude
2: p-dog p-dog and then after p-dog it's google
1: (laughs) i'm gonna go google
0: (laughs) modified
1: by (laughs) i did give him just the answer so it is modified (laughs) it is
2: modified this is good this is good oh man shout shout out p-dog modified by google uh <laughs> let me switch it up on him uh yeah so that that's kind of everything that i really wanted to like kind of show here this is like super basic right cuz we can't really get into the weeds on like how each and every one of these and, surveys is set up
0: right and certainly there's there's got to be an answer on the processing side if you were sitting in front of the the folks doing that like the fairfields of the world oh yeah dude like when Bruce you're your car and be like how do you process the resolution going north south knowing yeah. that it's limited but knowing that you also have this incredibly like intense accuracy going the other way yeah is there some kind of algorithm thing that can take all that and like process it and enhance it up yeah to a higher you know resolution
2: and i know there are companies right now that are working on stuff like that right that are using some very uh basic principles from like machine learning and uh, i forgot it, uh, there was a talk man at the uh pbgs man i i remember this talk because he was discussing like hey you only need a few traces and then you could use machine learning to infer what's in the middle right Ooh. and it's at a, almost a higher accuracy than like what you would get out of processing that data actually
0: shaking it and processing yeah
2: it. so like what? yeah dude it was gnarly oh. it was a really cool talk uh pagel was stoked on, i mean yeah pegs we'll just say pegs 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 was there yeah pegs was stoked on it he was the one that's like i'm interested in this talk and i was like if you're interested i'm interested i don't know what's going on but i'm here for it (laughs) smart enough to realize you're smart yeah and you're interested i i'm smart enough to listen to (laughs) smarter people than me that's that's all i'm gonna say because there are a lot of people that are smarter than me but but yeah uh p-dog do you have anything for this one
1: um no i mean you pretty much covered the basics i guess source cool. receiver lines cool of course if you have fractures or anything specific features you're trying to model you're gonna rotate that acquisition like in a certain asthma so you're targeting those zones but you I, I do think that, overall
0: you do that uh before you shake like if you know there's a crack through there like with a two old 2d line like you're gonna
2: that's something well. It's something. Do we want to image that more? Is that something that we want to stay away from? You know what I mean? Because like a lot of those old surveys, uh, I mean, like they're they're looking for very specific targets. Well, right? Is that but, a
0: pre comment or a post comment from P Dog about shifting the the grid and making it like a forty five degree angle? Ooh, or
2: whatever? that's a P Dog answer.
1: I think that that would be done initially. So before uh, you even shake the ground, you need to know at what angle you're processing all this.
2: Mm, oh. Spicy. Oh.
1: I mean, it makes sense. why would you process at a ninety degree and then rotate your data?
2: that's true 300,
1: yeah I don't know yeah because you you already mapped those features by rotating the data. I don't think you'll pop out anything useful after that
2: yeah
0: interesting if you if you mess with it at post
2: mm-hmm. mm mm-hmm.
0: well, interesting
1: but at least that's how I would think, but yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I don't yeah. really know what yeah. goes on behind the processing and how they actually do it so
2: bruce
0: yeah.
1: where's
2: bruce bruce <laughs> bruce Bruce, <laughs> i need you uh all right so now we are looking at just a signal and a noise uh just what am i talking about graph here and you know on our y-axis we have amplitude on our x-axis we have frequency uh and then pdoc do you want
1: to go into ground roll uh, it's just no not really it's just noise
2: okay yeah so i mean it, yeah. yeah for the most part it's noise that you get at the lower frequencies and then as you can tell it kind of like evens out as you go along and then so, uh, we don't really need to touch on this this is going to be more applicable in the processing side yeah.
1: yeah it's noise we want to get rid of yeah so yeah, we want to was- we want to
2: get rid of that bad data
1: mhm
0: bad data meaning that it's it's uh it's a seismic wave that has been recorded but it's coming from something that's not in the subsurface. It's coming from like a, a weird anomaly of, of the process. So go ahead, P-Dog.
1: Uh, yeah. I was going to say like, if you send sound waves down the earth, some will come back in a constructive way. Some will come back destructively. Ground roll usually are the ones that's closer to the surface. So vibrating at a much higher frequency and, usually tends to be noise that has nothing to do with the rock itself. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you want to get rid of those shallow, I guess in this case noise anomaly so you can see the bigger picture. Wow, interesting. Yeah.
0: So the sh- the the low frequency recordings that came back quickly from that set of receivers and sig- and, and sources are maybe ground roll, the low frequencies that actually made it a long ways and came back, that could be real basement geology.
1: Right, and ground rolls usually are easy to detect because they're closest to your geophones. So as a processing or as a processor, you would know what a ground roll would look like. Mm -hmm. So you're not really tampering with real geological response.
2: So this is another question that I have. seismic multiples also fall into ground roll or is that a totally different thing
1: no that that's completely different okay seismic multiples is usually sound waves getting trapped between different layers and then
2: back yeah eventually
1: they would come out they would stay in go to critical angles that's a whole different hey man sometimes it
2: just wants to stay in the bed man sometimes oh, wow. it just likes
1: yeah, that rock yeah
2: it's
0: like a refraction thing like an uh, or it's not really refraction. yeah it comes down to
1: reflection and refraction the, the physics behind sound waves
0: wow crazy multiples and you got to get rid of those because it's a it's a it's a trapped like lot it's a like a deconstructed actual signal right or like what you were talking about like it's not yeah a- multiples
1: are nice because you can actually see those on seismic how that would affect your reflectors based on the different rocks. Mm. So if you if there's a, you know, a multiple response, that would show up on seismic really nice. Mm. And you can tell that's not really geological. <laughs>
3: uh, so you have signal and noise up there over on the charts. Uh, how much of this is P wave versus S wave?
1: Um, Depends on the geophone. So if your geophone is just recording P wave sounds, that's your spectrum in this case. Um, the the stuff fast and that recently, their geophones were recording S-waves, mm-hmm. so their signal-to-noise ratio, the amplitude graph, would look much higher resolution in this case. Mm-hmm.
2: Wow. Well, we'll, and we'll go into a little bit of that. Not, yeah. not super detail, but yeah. Oh, speak of the devil. Alright. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, on the left, we're going to talk about just like general fold coverage. So, again, uh, we have a grid of our Uh, acquisition and now the colors have switched so but the shapes remain the same so north south we have our source east west we have our receivers uh so basically what we're saying here is between the source and every single receiver there will be a central bin right well where that maximum offset will occur right so between that green dot and that uh, or the green triangle and that red dot, yeah, that is your middle point, right? So that will be your central bin, and technically, like, right, Perry, that's like where your data will more or less be. It's like highest resolution, right? Yep. Perfect. Yeah, and you could see on the right, uh, like this is another super gnarly graph, but if every shot, right, is going to have its own central bin. And w- with every receiver, right? So you have those four re- or those five receiver lines stacked. Every time you shoot, every receiver will have its own central bin. So wow. every yeah, so there'll be one point at which that data will be its highest resolution, and that's where you know that midpoint will be.
0: Right on. Yeah. And that point doesn't get duplicated, or it does. It, it could, right? The the, mm-hmm. the next one yeah. could. Or, yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's kind of the thing, right? As you're going through the grid you will be your sources right you will get a central midpoint potentially in that same bin right uh-huh. with a different geophone yeah right so you can basically stack those uh those points and that's like where you're going to be like okay this is the state is good and then you kind of move on right right on yeah especially if it's a solid dupe yeah if it's not you're like uh uh, out here. Again,
0: process that out <laughs> naja. Look at this. And yeah, the, the goal is
1: to you know map as many of those points as possible because the higher the the number is the better the resolution will be yeah. in the long term right? yeah
2: so the higher that fold is over those points right the higher resolution that data is going to be And then we'll see an example of that later on as well so uh, Troy want to unless you got a question ship it uh, I think we're going to get into it are you going to talk about bin size uh, yeah, yeah D- a little bit In size, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So this, uh, is a general spider gra- diagram and this is kind of what Perry was talking about as far as recording that S wave and that P wave velocity. Uh, so at every one of those bins, right? So every little spider represents a bin, uh, well, Whoa. it shows the azimuthal variation within that bin, right? So the areas where you have the most azimuthal variation is like, that's where you're going to have like really good S wave and P wave coverage. Right? So, that's kind of what they're looking for when when they're shaken. P-Dog can't confirm and, and or deny. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, P-Daw you're right. P-Dog confirmed. See, I am geophysics.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: See, Verma, I made something of myself. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> the spider diagrams...
0: The spider, diagram. <laughs> spider diagrams have an interesting, like, uh, shape or, like, tails to them. Like, it's weak over here, and this one's, like, yeah. obviously super strong. So this one has good s p wave deliverable data and and this one has weaker is that kind of what i'm yeah but this
2: is like kind of from one point too right so it's you're going to be shaking along that grid and that's those spider diagrams are going to shift as you're shaking along the grid you kind of get what i'm saying with that just kind of like how this this is a finished product though right
0: like that's what we're looking at here this is a finished product of of kind of how the bins would respond to a, a
2: completed the bin the bin this? at one location yeah 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 at one individual location for one sh- uh shot yeah yeah so s- you can see where how gnarly that data gets when you're looking for s and p wave right when you're just looking for p wave it's like oh yeah we're it's just one direction but the second you add like that as mutual variation like dude that's a ton of data but it gives you a lot of data right so wow. if you're if you're an engineer and you're looking at your Youngs and your Poissons and you know you're looking at your different stress fields, this is what you want. This is the data you want, right? The highest re- resolution S-wave data you can have, so you can run those models and figure out, oh yeah, like when we break rock, how is it going to break, and what orientation is it going to break? Right? Does that
0: that also give you a higher resolution on things like that of our of the uh, like elemental makeup of the rock, like TOC or uh, kerogen versus
2: like porosity permeability or expert in Houston?
1: Yeah, shear wave data definitely helps because one of the ways we differentiate TOC rocks from other rocks is by looking at BPVS plots. And if seismic can measure shear wave and we can you know, invert those seismic waves back to rock properties, um, yeah, definitely helps shear wave in any of the geomechanical models as well.
2: Dude, if you ain't working with P-Dog, what are you doing with yourself, man? What are you doing with yourself? <laughs> Let's go. Okay. Like yeah. Uh, oh, okay. I. Uh, optimization. Uh, let me... Wow, I, I really, really crushed that. Uh... Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Re- sorry. Sorry. All right. So just general optimization things is uh, you need to use... Image the target with useful accuracy, so a small natural bin size, right? So you want to make those bin sizes as small as possible. You want to tighten up that grid and increase that fold. Uh, you want to use uh, useful signal noise levels, so high fold and trace density. You want it near offset for good estimates for P-wave reflectivity. You want far offsets for those elastic properties. So for those S-waves, right? Ie density. Uh, you need far offsets to image, you know, certain bodies of geology. Uh, you want the acquisition crew to have enough receivers for the design and then obviously the most important thing you want it to be within the budget that you want or the budget that you have right sure. so you want to you want to pack as much data in to your acquisition design as possible but that's that's where it comes in you got to be smart so right. p
0: wave and s wave s wave picks up uh density differences in the rock better than a p wave
2: laterally yeah
0: Okay, so it's not this. Okay, it's it's reading the change of it laterally better
1: than a P wave does.
2: Yeah, P dog can't confirm or deny.
1: No, no, definitely. So, I mean, there's a lot of component to it. P wave definitely is just, you know, just a back and forth movement of sound waves. Shear waves, just because of the offset component to it, we can mathematically solve for S wave at that point. So, that's where the power of shear wave comes in.
2: My dog. My dog. And,
1: and the fact that it moves differently, so when it hits a rock, it's going to move in a very different way than a P wave. And the fact that your geophone can record that, you know, that variation, that's what's useful when it comes to, I guess, any of the QI work we do.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, It just allows you to do that next level of interpretation, right?
1: Yeah, you just had more data that you, you didn't have before to separate out those anomalies, so Yeah. Like you guys said, more more data, the better.
2: More data, more better. Okay, uh, this was a an example done by the newest Mud City and Sea Ranch shoot. Uh, so the Legacy 3D survey we have on the right side there. So you have this 110 by 110 meter grid where you're getting 70 fold within that grid, right? So this was the old shoot that was done in 2009. Uh, the most recent shoot to show you how much crazier this is uh so i'm just gonna say this is a 40 by 41 by 41 grid and they're getting 1024 fold within that grid so not only are they making that bin size smaller they've increased the fold uh math there a lot you know what i mean
1: yeah Yeah, a lot of data to process
2: now yeah a ton of data to process Mm -hmm. i mean yeah there's a lot of good that's going to come from that but it's it's a lot of a lot of work to like get through that data and make it usable for the user.
0: And this effort made it more effective for the user to see lateral heterogeneity in the reservoir, Mm -hmm. not so Mm -hmm. much more stratigraphic. Yeah.
2: So like, I mean, the legacy survey, you know, it's great for structural interpretation, right? You can see where those reflectors are, you can you know, understand like a general time to depth relationship of like, you know, your specific formations of interest. But, you know, when you're trying to do that next level QI work, right, like what Perry's talking about, you know, those VPVS, you know, versus AI relationship cross plots and doing inversion on that, you you can't do that with the old data. I mean, you can, but your confidence is going to be very, very low. Right, compared to that higher resolution data that you're getting now, especially because that old data, they're not getting that uh, that shear wave data. They are only getting that P wave data, right? Yeah,
1: and, and I'm sure it's not just lateral resolution, vertical too. Oh so yeah. In this case, if they're trying to find something within the the central basin platform, I think they'll have a better image now.
2: Yeah, and then again on the image on the right, as you can see from their like sweep spectra, they've done a much better job as far as getting those lower frequencies within the sweep, right? They're getting all the way down to like, what is that? One hertz? 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 And, yeah, and yeah. this is
1: amazing because as a geophysicist, you want those lower frequencies. Yeah,
2: You don't need to build your low frequency model anymore, right? That's already, you've they've already done that for you. And it's, yeah, it's not something that needs to be calculated. It's like, this is the hard data. Low
0: yeah. frequency. I,
1: I, I guess it depends on the inversion you're doing. Some inversions do require low frequency models regardless. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, if you go with Jifa, you don't need a low frequency model. So Yo, the data in this case is. Shameless speed, plug, I like so. it. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: I'm sorry, you can, you can that out. <laughs> no, 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 no.
2: That stays that's,
0: in. That stays that's why Icon exists, man, because it's, it's I mean, needed and it's wanted. And you're the icon. It's the
1: only one I know that doesn't require, so I just had to say it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's the
0: benefit of low frequency sound? of a rock or of the well it allows way. you
2: to get deeper uh visualization right so like perry was saying you you do those low frequency sweeps in the beginning right because that's going to penetrate into the deep deep rock right so you're Whoa. getting visualization basement <laughs> and potentially I've past the basement right And their data
0: deal when we went back and forth yeah, the dude the deep was totally basement seen ain't
2: this like homogeneous you know freaking we didn't blob, have data before. right yeah exactly well it's not only we didn't have the data just the technology Right? The technology is way better now. The way we process data is way better now.
0: Because they're definitely seeing deep stuff, dude. These reflectors yeah. that are just, like, climbing their way into the basin. Yeah. Right
2: on. Yeah. I was, okay. I'm on. I'm on to it. Anything else, P-Doug?
1: No. Looks really good, the data.
2: Cool. Uh, so this is, uh, yeah, uh, the classic sales pitch for Seismic. Uh, I'm not going to say where I got this from for the sake of whoever. But, I mean... Every operator has heard this, right? And so I I need to say it because that's what they're selling on. But at the end of the day, it's like it's so much more than this, right? So, kind of just going to read through this list and get through this page quick. So, EP company emphasis on exploration and development activities. All right. Seismic sector entering a new phase with a portfolio for both exploration and development services. Uh, you know, we got to get that demand for high resolution images, increased channel count, enhanced subsurface resolution, complex geological structures, help reduce reduce dry hole risk and optimize production advancements in technology current commodity prices require companies to focus on economic projects with seismic data helps to facilitate it's like oh god that hurts to read but (laughs) someone was selling on that you know like it's like it's 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 all interesting cool stuff but it's also a lot of nothing you know what i mean a lot of happy talk a lot of happy talk yeah Uh, dude you know those complex geologic structures dude (laughs) <laughs> you can see him now, dude. How <laughs> sick is that? Now, <laughs> I
0: remember uh, in the WTCS show, something that dropped out was like, you know, is this going to keep happening, this kind of resolution, or is this like a special one-off? Because Faskin was, you know, it's just a different style of company. It's not yeah. that traditional, like what you're kind of doing here. Yeah. I feel like anyway. Oh, I'm yeah. Following. Uh, so that's that's an interesting take on on kind of what's to come from the results, you know what i mean, no pressure of course ronco, but mm. uh, if if that is right and these geophysicists and in the geologists and engineers, everybody that understands geophysics to like, you know, a higher level, they will stand behind this and say, yeah, you know what i mean, we need this. I, yeah. we will get better with with this result. Yeah. It, well, we're about to see it, right? Like this is like, you know, that shoot, the mud city shoot is the is is the first one in the midland basin, right? Yeah. First one that's yeah. going to have all these kind of things box checked and let's yeah see box checked,
2: but like, and um, then some, right. It's, it's um, just like a little bit more than just this, right. This is just still kind of bleh, but anyways, it'll get more specific. It, yeah. But as far as like for someone who is a geophysicist, someone who is, you know, or a geologist like myself that just likes to work in the geophysical field, right. Because I like looking at, you know, deeper structures like that's, that's home for me. Right? Like, what can someone in that field do? And then, yeah, next slide. Right on. Bang. So, these were some things that were just also kind of general, right? But kind of more on that higher level of like what can be done with better uh, seismic data. So, shear stress for frac initiation, right? So, understanding your inherent shear stresses around your reservoir to understand, hey, how's this rock gonna break? And, you know, as we're pumping into it, how's it gonna continue to break? Uh, internal process for balanced amplitude. So doing inversion, uh, shear wave, PPS, right? And then VP over VS and AI. P-Dog, do you want to touch on, because you can definitely touch on it better than me, like the benefits of like shear wave inversion and then just, you know, VP over VS and AI inversion?
1: Um, Yeah, yeah. So I I see you put shear waves. I guess that would be PPPS. Essentially, you're inverting
2: Dude, don't for- don't judge my terrible PowerPoint making skills, dude. <laughs> you just
1: you just missed a P in there, dude.
2: Okay, wait. Add Google. Modified by Perry. Modified by Google.
1: <laughs> 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 okay. Uh, yeah. So PPPS. I, I'm pretty sure that's a very common inversion in the industry where you invert for both compressional P wave and the S wave, and that that's what you guys use for, you know, fracture modeling or any of the the sheer stuff that you're trying chasing after, uh, VPVS AI, that's more on the, the one D space that comes from your well logs. Mm-hmm. So understanding how the different lithologies separate out using acoustic impedance and VPVS. And these two, um, I guess the elastic properties are pretty good to understand because we can get these out of seismic. So that's why this is a very common plot in our QI workflows. So,
0: does the shear wave and like the the term shear in regards to seismic mean kind of that same idea of shearing of stresses of like tectonics, or is that a different sh- way of using the word shear?
2: Don't quote me on this, Perry, because please correct me if I'm wrong, (laughs) but shear basically indicates like lateral stress, right? Am I right or wrong? Am I right or wrong on that one?
1: Um, I mean, I'm not an expert on this either, but for me, when when I think of shear wave, I think it's how the rock is shearing itself, the grain-to-grain contact. And that shear, that movement, that shear movement, that's what the sound waves are reflecting.
2: So that lateral grain-to-grain contact though, right? Right. Yeah, so right. it's not it's not the vertical because that's your P, P wave, right? So it's that lateral grain-to-grain contact or formational formation contact that you're seeing within the rock.
1: And okay. it's great for fluids because fluids don't shear. So every time, you know, your shear component is reducing or diminishing you know there's something else other than the rock itself Mm. there's some that that's an indication for fluids Mm. because shear wave would go to zero for for Mm. (laughs) fluid
0: uh i see the 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 benefit of having that data for sure uh but it can get pretty complicated because you i mean if you just have some you know, fractionation thing, like a a vein that's coming up that sand or whatever it is, and it's coming up at like an angle, you know, there's no real disruption there. The P wave's cutting through that, but when the S wave hits that thing and that thing's got this funky angle of uh fucking halite or something, you know, the vein's full yeah. of something that's totally different than the sand density-wise. Yeah. It's it's going to feel that, right? Yeah. It's going to, okay, mm-hmm. I'm understanding.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bang, bang,
0: bang. And I guess uh, that kind of
1: comes down to the processor too, how he processes all this and yeah. gives the final result to a geophysicist.
0: Wow. So P Dog, is or and Skippo, is the, the the actual recording of a shear wave of this size of a shoot, has that ever been done in the Permian, or is this the mud no. the mud city the biggest? It's
2: the first, as far as I'm concerned. Fuck,
0: oh, dude, that's gonna be so cool. I mean, if 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 the subsurface of this thing looks like you know, the, the, the veining of like Mars, you know, like when we go to like see the (laughs) outcrop and you see this, like you see these veins just busting through it's all sand or it's all like whatever it is, but there's definitely this hydrothermal story popping through there for the first time on a big scale. I think seismic, I mean, understanding the
2: lateral heterogeneity of what's going on, right? Because you can only see it before vertically, right? That's, that's what you were looking at in seismic and now seeing it, in a lateral sense, like that's gnarly. And like that's what P Dog is talking about too. Like these inversion techniques are helping visualize those things a lot better, right? Because some uh, people, I mean, you might be able to, like, if you know the geology super, super well, right? like uh, like a guy like stony right like you can probably make inferences on the seismic to this degree but to the average person who's looking at like the seismic data they would not be able to di- like distinguish that sure. lateral heterogeneity yeah
0: right it makes real sense like good sense of it yeah. Maybe, yeah
2: yeah so that's gnarly and then like some other things to talk about uh drill time increase right like looking at you know that density in the rock and seeing what rock would be you know easier to drill versus like You know, a little bit rougher to drill, Mm -hmm. you know, like from personal experiences, Uh, delineating different (laughs) rock types. And then uh, lastly, this is the one that I wanted to put on here, and I did a deep dive, uh, geochemical inversion. Now, uh, there have been some case studies in the past on this, and the results have been interesting. Some of them have been able to pull some things out, but I feel like if the data now, the way the data is going right? Because seismic data, you're pulling out two different, there's basically two things that you're pulling out of it, right? It's velocity density. and density, right? So like geochemically, what can you pull out of velocity and density, Wow. right? So that's, in my head, this is where I was going. And the big thing that I came across, and like, this would be kind of like, you need, obviously you need really good data, but like, um, they've been success with doing inversion on magnesium, so identifying areas where there's high magnesium in limes, dolomite, mm. and areas where there's low magnesium in limes. Right on. So it's, it's, it's getting there, but this is something that I was just like, this is freaking cool. Wow. And for those who are experienced in that realm of magnesium and know how gnarly it is and how important it is right. to the oil and gas system, Right. To the petroleum system, that's right. from an Earth perspective, like
1: <clears throat> interesting things happen.
2: Interesting, interesting things happen when there's magnesium, right? Because that means, yeah. yeah, that means there's hydrothermal influence, right? That means there's a part of the rock that's weak in which fluids have moved through, right? And not only have moved through, have scarned the pre-existing rock, mineralized and all mineralized that stuff. and magical things happen.
3: Uh, (laughs) all right P dog okay so we're talking about this PPPS wave inversion and one of my perennial questions has been the seismic opacity that you see in a a given section Um, does this allow for a better determination of what opacity is real and what is not real in terms when you say
1: opacity, what do you mean? That was the
3: question. I knew that
0: was going to be the question. Let me Where see. It blanks
3: out the reflectors. Yeah,
0: you'll see like competent layers, right, of, of high amplitude and, and switch low amplitude. And then all of a sudden it gets like real fuzzy and it just kind of go. Mm-hmm. it cuts through if them, you right? Lose, that opacity
1: uh, reflector texture. All uh, right, right. <laughs> Um, I think that kind of comes down to your lithology, how, it's, how if it's a mixed lithology, the seismic will not be able to resolve the different components.
3: But if you've got high shearing going on, does that um, increase the opacity or lack of ability to see the reflectors? If mm. there's a high shear wave velocity? Because sure. you're saying that the shear... In a in a high shear situation, the uh, data goes to zero.
1: For for fluids, correct, yeah, right,
3: exactly. So, and, and the
0: argument uh, and the interpretation is when you have opacity, that could be indication of fluids,
1: or is it actually rock that's that's being disrupted there? Um, could be both. Um, it, it's not one or the other. So if it's a mixed lithology, if it's a basement rock that's, you know, really chaotic and doesn't really have much lithology changes, seismic will just treat it as a similar rock type or similar opacity in this case.
3: Yeah, there's some stuff that's going on there through
1: there. Yeah. Something's moving. Yeah, I mean that's definitely a fault. Uh, looks like a right
3: a lot of opacity in the hanging wall of that fault. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
3: So what does that try yeah. to tell us, if
2: anything? I was going to say, mm-hmm. if I was a betting man, and I am, <laughs> <laughs> only in Vegas when I'm playing craps, uh, I would assume that is some brecciated rock that has had some hydrothermal, hydrothermal influence. Mm-hmm. And well, that's my take oh okay well i I said it first and ah. <laughs> 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 granted, granted, it was modified what from is, you what does say? yeah what is what does the p dog think
1: i'm I'm not sure on this one. I don't have that much experience with <clears> hydrothermal <throat> and how that response looks like in seismic mm.
0: <laughs> well, okay, so you have a dry breccia rock that's broken and going to the surface versus a very wet brecciated rock go making its way through the surface like in this vertical you know opacity and you're Mm -hmm. thinking about those two scenarios and you have good shear data there should be a much different response between dry and and wet right from what you're saying
1: right yeah I, i would think so and and with increasing offset you're looking through different angles I think every angle anomaly in the seismic would show you a different thing as well.
0: That'd be cool. Yeah, that
1: would...
0: Yeah. It could increase or it could decrease, yeah. It could It could maybe make it seem like it's... Uh, it could be fluid, and then it works its way out from all the different angles, and it's it seems to be dry, and you're like, oh, maybe that's just a dry... That's
3: All right, so in p overall experience, how much of this potential fluidization texture has been ignored in seismic
1: processing um i mean granted Dog doesn't have a lot of experience <laughs> <laughs> good answer <laughs> good answer usually in the uh, from what i've seen in the industry we usually just look for if you're offshore you're just looking for dhis which are your direct hydrocarbon indicators mm-hmm. and those shows up really nice on seismic yeah but you know, offshore, onshore, it's a different story because we don't see those anomalies very well Yeah, in our plane seismic
2: views. Yeah. So not to stop that conversation, but I'm going to stop that conversation and move on to this. Uh, this was a project done by the Magikin Research Institute and the legend himself, Mr. Stan Keith, Monty Swan, uh, on the Railroad Valley and Snake Valley in Utah. And this is a really cool area, mainly because I love it because it's faulted all over the place. It's super structurally complex, and you know, as petroleum geologists, right, especially when you're looking at unconventional,s right, it's you're you're trying to break apart the puzzle, right? You're trying to figure out the puzzle and which is your your play area, so you can turn that play into a like a lead and then you can turn that lead into a prospect where you're actually putting a hole in the ground and you're trying to find oil right so what i love about this area is how structurally complex and we got a seismic line through it right and within that seismic line we can kind of we can begin to pull apart the structural complexity of this area and this is where i feel like seismic is not utilized enough is where you're actually breaking down the different structural components and figuring out how the fluids have moved through time, through the rock, into the reservoir. Right. That that is what my favorite thing to do is. I don't know about you guys, but I, I, I like it a lot. I like
1: finding oil. Obviously. So you so you like 40 seismic then? What? So you're more into 4D seismic instead of
2: 3D. I'm more of a 3D guy, but
0: yeah,
1: 4D, 4 cool. When you say 4D, you're
2: talking about introducing time or whatever. You have yeah. two shoots,
0: and, right? So you, know. you can
1: actually map fluid migration through seismic.
2: But I'm, I'm saying initially, I feel like people are missing it out, missing out on the 3D perspective, right? And just looking at structurally what's going on and breaking down based on like the fault kinematics, how that oil is moving through the rock.
0: So Stan is probably gonna grab the mic a yeah. little bit on this one on these last uh, couple lot, of slides. A lot of a lot of bit on this one. <laughs> but your your fluid flow interpretation with these arrows across this area, Stan, is is done by surface geo uh soil sampling. That's right. And you have the faults, you have the structure below it, and you have what you're seeing in geochemical data on the surface pathways of migration as hydrocarbon would move through the system when it was putting itself together.
3: That's correct.
0: And then you have a seismic line through the south end of that. Correct. That we're about to look at and and then you have in the description that the seismic target is going from thin to thick as you're as you're coming down to the southeast.
3: More or less.
0: What what do you mean by thin and thick target?
3: Well, you need to look at the 2D seismic line so what I'm emphasizing there is the blue-purple transition, especially oh, wow. The blue. Mm.
0: So it's thickening towards the.
3: That's correct. Towards the feeder fault.
0: Is that like some kind of big listric thing going on, or what is? Yeah,
3: it's a basin and range listric fault.
0: It's and the hydrothermal what made fl-
3: snake valley.
0: And these hydrothermal <laughs> fluids are tanking up on the hanging wall.
3: They're pooling up in an unconformity trap underneath the mid-tertiary section. So the, but the actual hosting trap rock is the Gilmet, which is that light blue. So the idea is that, based on the interpretation of the seismic line, is the fluids have come up and gone into the hanging wall and then Made a oil system right there below the unconformity with the mid tertiary.
1: Yeah, this looks like a really big task on interpretation using this two D line.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, also, it is. It also goes to show how much you can actually leverage out of just the two D line too, right? Right. Like that's that's the important part. People are like. Oh, yeah, 2D data? Yeah, like they scoff at it. Need like, more. Oh, well, I'd love need, to see a Need cube 3D there, survey. But... Need all the... And it's like, hey, you can pull a ton out of, you know, a 2D line. Well, especially you if you have
3: some uh, non-seismic, in this case, control data.
0: Yeah. That's what you're saying, P-Doug?
1: Yeah, um, just... it'll be interesting to invert for something like this just given on density.
3: If you had high quality data, you might be able to. When you it. say high quality
0: data, you're thinking like Mud City data.
3: Yeah, that's what I would think about.
0: And then, in your honest, humble Geo Geronimo opinion, when you're doing soil chemistry and you're trying to project, you know, down into depth and maybe the story that it's it's telling you of the the structural history and the kinematics of the fluid and stuff, what kind of depth ranges are you are you really thinking about?
3: Number one, what is that, 1.2 seconds?
0: Down in here? That's yeah. one second right there.
3: Okay, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Okay. So you're we're looking at about a 9,000-foot drill shot mm. for this one. Uh, similar, maybe a slightly shallower at Grant Canyon. Uh, these magnesium anomalies have been vertically transported some up to three kilometers in terms of our empirical calibrations. Wow,
0: wow. Wow. So there's
3: nothing in between. They're basically being uh, hydrogen lifted. And so you've got these H2, little micro dirgibles, transporting a little ion of magnesium or even uranium. It It can take heavy ions. Takes them all the way through. Now, that's a very small dirigible. (laughs) So we're not talking the Hindenburg here. (laughs) Talking a nano Hindenburg. Yeah. And it will go through anything. And then gets... Hydrogen is the only thing that can do that.
0: And the topsoil captures it.
3: Right. It sorbs electrostatically onto clays at the Earth's surface. So there's not... There might be a few little capture zones on the way, but for the most part, the big dump's going to occur right where X leaves the uh soil system and goes out into the atmosphere and it drops off its geochemical whatever it's carrying mm-hmm. which is reflecting the oxidation of the underlying system. And then the hydrogen just keeps going up into the atmosphere,
0: ultimately to space. Yeah. Doesn't come back. And
3: the planet ultimately oxidizes geologically through time.
0: Via hydrogen loss. Via hydrogen
3: and to some extent, but helium doesn't really play a role in that helium loss, but those are the two elements that leave the Earth's gravitational field.
0: That's pretty Mm -hmm. cool, man. I mean, just the idea, like, I see where you're going with this, dude. And, you know, this is kind of like that scale of, of what they'll be dealing with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. That's where you'd probably put a couple of horizontals, or
3: we have a lot of other uh, verticals. Please, yeah. Please, guys. We we have a lot of geochemistry that zeroes it up. The magnesium anomaly is just sort of the ballpark.
0: Gets you in the ballpark. No, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, nice. Okay.
3: I like like stepping inside of that anomaly and looking at the methane features on this particular one.
1: I'll go drill ten. Always in. Wait, you say you're drilling from lithium?
3: Well, you know the brides there. <laughs> uh, the brides there might have quite a bit of lithium. Is
0: that right? Oh yeah. So you got even a another ball, uh, side byproduct of economics.
2: We're not only drilling wells; we're saving the world by making batteries that <laughs> light on fire. One EV car. Okay.
0: <laughs> Zero fuel energy, yeah. man. Dude, we're we're carbon neutral at pbe <laughs> uh well thank you for joining us man we had a good time wish you were here but uh i'm glad you were joining man thank yeah. you for joining us i was
2: gonna say we'll see each other in person at the next uh wtgs aapg yeah hopefully in march supposedly yeah.
0: there's one coming in uh, in midland
2: okay yeah yeah you better be there dude i'm there right now <laughs>